Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. But we're going to get into it right now. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, the Bible says, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, There Are Things We Must Do. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. God, I thank you for every person who's here today. Lord, and I pray that you'd strengthen my body, anoint my mouth and mind to say only those things that would honor you, God. I pray, Lord, for a real God-ordained movement in this place today. God, I pray that you would reach deep into the spirit of your children, God, and do something that would honor you in this place, my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. There are some things we must do. Now, that, let, let, me, let me say this because there are already some people that might be traveling in the wrong direction just off the title because there are so, so many people that are preaching wrong theology in the world today. Anybody agree with that? Lots of bad theology in the world today. 99 point all of the preaching you see on TV and the radio uh, is, is, is watered down theology. I believe that modern day preaching has devolved into something that God didn't intend it to be. Uh, it's less than what we need. It's, it's watered down our theology. It's had a negative impact on our morality. And it has almost altogether destroyed any hope of spirituality. The teaching that is coming forth uh, from pulpits and radio stations and internet speakers in today's world is corrupting more than it is birthing. Mm, we're going to get there. You, you're going to hear it again. So as I was praying after the, the deacons and the elders left, and, and getting ready to come out, I felt myself, and I, and I just give God thanks. You've heard me say it a lot. Uh, it's just the reality for me. I don't listen to modern-day music uh, as much as some people do. I listen to older Christian music. I, I love hymns. That's just me. You do you. I do me. Uh, hopefully, everybody go to heaven, uh, even though we know they won't, but hopefully you will. As I was praying, I just felt this him rising up and I, I want you to invest in Christian music I want you to invest your time in Christian music I want you to invest your time in reading the Bible I want you to invest your time in growing spiritually so things can well up in you because the only thing that can come out of you is what is on the inside of you and as I was praying I, I just began to pray to God uh, a phrase that I had sung so much, and it meant so much to me in my life. Uh, and, and some of y'all remember the old hymn that said, Revive us again. Fill each heart with your love. May each soul be rekindled with fire from above. 
Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us again. And it's my prayer today that there will be an awakening. There will be a quickening. There, there will be a rekindling in the hearts of God's people that will say, I'm ready to be all that God wants me to be. Because that's not what modern day preaching is leading people to do. I went purposefully uh, online and I pulled a couple of sermon titles and a couple of uh, right right off their social media account. I'm not going to name the preacher. Uh, the preacher is prob probably a good dude, uh, growing the biggest church in America, uh, not, not Joel Osteen, a different dude, uh, but just sharp guy, brilliant guy, uh, but his theology has been impacted by this new age psychology preaching and people are just gobbling it up. I'm going to give you some of these statements right, right off his most recent sermons that the world is just buying his books, his tapes, everything he has, and he's just currently recognized as the greatest preacher in America by many people, and this guy is blowing up. And here's the great thing about him. It sounds good until you really listen to it. It sounds good until you really compare it truth to truth. It sounds good until you lay what the Scripture calls a plumb line next to it and see the deviation. Uh, here, here, here we go. Uh, here, here, here's one little snippet. Every season of struggle and suffering has an expiration date. And a real preacher could take that message and wind that up and let people know your expiration date is coming. You've been through your struggle, but your hallelujah is on its way. And, and just that right there, whoo, that fills up stadiums and that sells seats. You know why? Because people want to hear something that makes them feel good. Well, what can make you feel good than knowing that your expiration, that your struggle has an expiration? Your season of difficulty is coming. And this dude will stand up and so many people stand up. I prophesy to you that struggle is, 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 is almost over and I declare victory. In, and people just throw money on the stage, sing, run around the building, shout hallelujah. Because there is some truth in that. And if you've been struggling and you, you've been swimming in the sewage of the world and you've been hurting and not flowing in God's mercy and you hear some preacher that's sharp, good-looking, and sounds good tell you that every season of struggle and suffering has an expiration date, that might just perk you up. The problem is there's only some truth in that. The, the, the statement on its face is, is, is mostly true. But the expiration date that he's not letting people know might be the day that you get crucified upside down and choked to death on your own bodily fluids like the apostle Peter did because standing for Christ, the expiration of your struggle might be your last breath in this life. But that's not what big church preachers are preaching about that. That's not what he's intending people to think about that because the end result of all modern preaching is the person in the pew feeling better when they leave. The end result of all modern preaching is the person in the pew feeling empowered and, and, and motivated. 
Uh, that, you know, see, that's good for business seminars, but that ain't real preaching. What's, ha- what's taking over pulpits in America is motivational speakers that want to empower you. That's code for make you feel special. Well, what's wrong with that? Well, nothing's wrong with that. Uh, if you didn't get enough hugs from your mama growing up in life to feel special, then, then go ahead and find a church mama and let her hug on you. But the preaching in real churches needs to be about God and not about people. i give you a couple other ones. Now, these, you would have shouted on these things if I hadn't given you the setup. Here's, here's another one. Right, right off the latest uh, mega church hot topic. The devil has been lying to you. You are making progress. Now that's going to make a bunch of people feel, fit, that have been feeling under, haven't been feel, feeling good because they've been swimming in the sewage of sin. But when, when the preacher stands up and tells them, the devil's just been lying to you because you are making progress. God sees your struggle. He knows that, that you're not whoremongering seven days a week. You only whoremongering six days a week. Your blessing is on its way. Amen, and people just gobbling that up. Gobbling that up. Maybe, maybe the devil's been lying to you. Or maybe the Holy Spirit's been telling you you're living wrong. Maybe you are making progress in your struggle because that's where the progress happens. Or maybe you're just living in rebellion, hating the truth, and doing you. That ain't the devil lying to you, and that ain't progress. That's going in the wrong direction, heading for sure damnation. Here, here, here's another little snippet, and everybody would shout on this. If, I, if I'd have preached this and not told you how wrong it was, you would have ate the poison because of the, it sounded good in the ear. But I'm not here to preach what sounds good in the ear. You know, the Bible says that in the last days that there would come a time where people would not endure sound doctrine, but they would heat to themselves having teachers because their ears are itching to be tickled with something that makes them feel better. And that's happening in our midst. And if I were to preach this to you without setting it up and telling you that this isn't what real preaching is and this isn't what needs to happen from pulpits around the world uh, then, then you would have jumped all, all, all over this one. Here, here's, here's another one right, right off his home page. No matter what's your situation, you can always bounce back. Now, that sounds good on its face. I could craft a message around that. I, I, I could cra- craft a message around your downfall is a setup for your bounce back. And there's preaching going on like that all the time. And there's enough truth in there to make a real message out of it. But, but here's the greater reality. Um, your situation does matter when it comes to your ba- No matter your situation, you can always bounce back. You can't bounce back swimming in the sewage of sin. Now, there's some truth no matter where you've been, no matter what you've gone through, God can forgive you, but it requires repentance, it requires truth, and it requires his way and not our way. This is the missing piece of all that. Listen, it's trying to like, it, it, people are, it's like people are making a cake and they're like, I got the flour and the eggs, uh, 
But well, that, that, that's not all that you have to have. There's other stuff too. Uh, flour and eggs, I don't even know what that'll make you. It'll make you some kind of dough. Wouldn't be a cake. These missing ingredients, uh, uh, it makes it look right, but it's not right. Oh, here's, here's a great one. No matter where you've been or what you've done, as human beings, we're all worthy of a fresh start. Now, I can preach fresh start. I, I, I could preach that God don't care where you've been. He got forgiveness for you. God don't care what you've been through. The blood of Jesus will cover. I could preach that, and that's all real. But listen to it again. When you get to telling people that we're all worthy of a fresh start, now, now, pimping, we're all worthy of dying and going to hell. Well, these pulpit pimps tell people anything to get a shout. Make sure folk come back. Ooh, you got to hear my, oh, I leave feeling better every week. Nobody ever left a surgical office and said, girl, when you get your back surgery, you need to use my, my doctor. Because, man, the whole, I, they didn't have to give me anesthesia. It felt good the whole time. I was sipping mimosas, and he was telling me stories. They were rubbing my feet. Mm-mm. No. If you had got surgery, they sliced you open. And it hurt. Surgery is what needs to be happening. Sin needs to be cut out. Truth needs to be deposited we are not worth this message of how worthy uh people are uh, i'll give you another one <laughs> this was from a recent sermon said the biggest thing you need to remember today is you're already enough now i can twist that i can throw some truth in it mix it up and make it drinkable Because God is in you, you've got everything you need. Because God has filled you with his spirit, you have enough on the inside of you to take on any challenge that this day throws at you. Now, there's big truth in all of that, but when you just come out and you tell people you're already enough, you you are worthy of all good things happening to you. You just have to speak them into all this new age voodoo is going over like hot cakes in the church. <laughs> Here, I'm almost done. I ain't, I ain't gonna read all these to you, but I'm gonna give you another one. Because this really cuts at, 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 at the heart of why these preachers are preaching these messages and why their churches are standing room only. Listen to this. If the, it, think, listen how good this sounds. If the enemy is attacking you, it's only because there's something so very important on the inside of you. You are winning. You are a threat. And the devil don't waste bullets. This is big-time preaching from big-time preachers selling big-time books, packing out big-time stadiums, telling big-time distorted truths to make people feel special. All of this together is designed to make people feel good, to make them feel important, to make them feel empowered. Keyword, listen, 
this empowered thing, it's, it, that's got a cult following behind it. Watch out for words that derive cult followings automatically. But this all, all this teaching, all this what the Bible talk calls twisting of Scripture to say smooth things in the ears of wicked people, all this stems from, from this concept that people want life to be easy. Pe- people want to win uh, uh, all the time. Pe- people want to feel awesome about themselves. That ain't Christianity. Now, I'm not trying to say that Christianity is a Debbie Downer religion because it's not. But hear this and be sure of this. Christianity is not about us being empowered or feeling good about who we are. Christianity is about exalting Jehovah, the one true God, making everything about him and nothing about us. It is, it's so, it's so wild. Even contemporary Christian music. I don't know, Chris Tomlin, Dave Crowder, one of them white dudes with a guitar. Uh, they all sound the same to me. But this dude sang a song, uh, not to us, but to your name be the glory. Awesome lyrics. But that's not what people are thinking about in churches. They're, they're thinking about, I, I need you to preach uh, well, I really want to hear more messages about X, Y, Z. Check it out. Go to one if you want to. The majority of mega churches are proud to admit the fact that they craft sermons based on surveys of what the people want to hear. Now, it ain't, it ain't that I don't love you. But I'm not going to preach what you want to hear. This, this, this would be no different than if, if your school, now listen, you want to make kids happy? Go ahead, go ahead and let kids know, we've just decided to empower first graders in their dietary choices because first graders are awesome, they are smart, they are worthy to decide their own menu. And we're no longer going to try to even fake a balanced meal off on these children we're going to give away listen if they choose not to follow the meal plan we're going to give them free ice cream m&ms jelly beans gummy bears uh uh twinkies ding dongs fudge rounds uh star crunch uh marshmallows cake kids will be like I'm making choices today. Three pieces of cake. I'm going to tell you this. Now, there's, there's weird children everywhere. There'd be some of them that'd be like, not me, sir. I would prefer the, the steamed broccoli and the Brussels sprouts. Y'all know. If you gave the majority of first graders the option to control the menu, it would not be Brussels sprouts over ice cream. The moral of that story is what's good for you don't always taste good going down. And you don't let children decide the menu. You got to let the one in charge decide the menu and God is the one in charge. And he said to preach the word. 
You want to look at the command to pastors? The command is to preach the word. That's the topic to be preached. Not preach personal empowerment, feel-good messages that tell people it's all going to be okay. I was telling some of the staff this morning, what these people do not realize or they choose not to focus on because they want buildings full, they, they don't want to point out the big deal. Listen, the big deal is not that you've been beat up all week. I went to a conference one time. It was the largest church in America. It was, it, was, it was the leading seeker movement in the world. I, it was a waste of my time and money, but it was the first year in ministry, and I was just trying to take in as much as I could. And he, he said this. It was a pastor's conference. 4,000 pastors were there. And he said, don't say things that will make people feel like they haven't succeeded. People get beat up all week long from the world. They need to come to church and get propped up and boosted up and leave feeling good. I can, see, I, I, can, I can see some point to that, but listen, I feel good if you tell me the truth, even if it's a hard truth. If the building's on fire, I want you to tell me the building's on fire. Don't sit there and tell me, take your shoes off and sit back and relax. Breathe in the moment. Enjoy the surroundings. You're so wonderful. You look so pretty today. Just, just enjoy. No, the building is on fire. If the building is on fire, why are we concentrating on relaxing? If the building is on fire, why are you asking me if I want the standard meal or the kosher meal? I ain't worried about what's being said. If the building, tell me the building is on fire. See, that message is gone in America today for the most part. Uh, I, I heard of that, that, little, that, that little TV dude. What, what's that TV dude named? It looks, the, looks those gangbangers in, in, in the face and tells them, have you ever stole anything? What's that make you? Kirk, did you calling me a thief essay? I'm scared for Kirk at that point. I'm like, dude looks hungry. He might eat you. But I heard him one time. He, don't, he wasn't cutting no corners in. I don't know where he's at now. I ain't heard nothing from him in a decade. But he, he talked about this sim, a similar theory to this one time. And he said, no one worries about how comfortable a parachute is or whether it matches their clothing when they're putting it on when the plane is going down. He said, but here's the reality. He, he said, here's what happens in churches, and I, and I love this, and I hope you'll get this, and I hope it'll make sense to you the way it made sense to me then. I didn't even plan to say this. It just came to my spirit right now, so I'm going to share it with you. He said, if you tried to give a bulky, ugly, heavy, uncomfortable parachute to everyone who checked in on a plane, they're like, okay, uh, well, Mr. C, we got this parachute for you today. Uh, it's going to make you sweat in here. It's going to be very uncomfortable. Uh, and, and, you know, the plane, the plane is fine. We're not going to crash today. Uh, but what, what, what your option, if you want to, you, you can wear this very heavy, ugly, awkward, uncomfortable. It's going to cut you under your armpits a lot. It's going to be, uh, or, or you can just sit back in first class, and, and, and we'll bring you the nice meal towel for your face. Uh, uh, Ms. Evelyn, you, you also, ain't nobody putting that parachute on. And like, what I look like putting on this 40-pound parachute? 
messing up my clothes, wrinkling me up, heavy and uncomfortable. But if that plane was going down, if that plane, if the captain came on and said, ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain. We were flying at 30,000 feet at 600 miles an hour. We're now flying at less than 30,000 feet at 800 miles an hour, pointing straight down to the ground. Both engines have failed, and this plane is going to crash. There are six parachutes located in the, in the stewardess cabin. Get them if you want them. I'm out the door. Somebody's getting them. Guess how many people want the parachute then? People don't want uncomfortable. People don't, don't want to hear about the... I always mess with... Y'all know how, y'all, y'all, if you know me, you know me. You know how I am. You don't want to sit next to me on an airplane. I sit on an airplane. I, I be sitting next to a nice couple like this. I try to make conversation be decent because my ultimate goal is to share Christ with them. So I, I don't just, you know, I, it just ain't because, you know, they, they, they look like nice people. I, I'm, you know, I'm, I, got a, I got an agenda. My agenda is to share Christ with them. So I'm going to strike up a conversation with them. It's, it's not a good agenda for plane flying. Don't use this unless you're really great at talking. Because my first thing is while everybody's sitting down and the thing's taxiing, I, I usually lean over and say something like this. Man, I hope y'all been praying a lot lately because, you know, Delta, Delta's on a string. They haven't had a, a, a massive plane crash where everybody died in weeks. It might be this plane's turn. And, 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 and I get the same reaction every time. Oh, my God, why would you say that? No, don't say that. Don't, don't tell me that. Tell me this plane's going to make it. Tell me everything's good. Don't. Listen, people don't want to hear that when they don't realize the danger that they're involved in. That's why some people don't wear seatbelts still. Because they're like, ah, I'm just riding around the corner and I don't want to mess up my, 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 my dress or my, or my, or my shirt. Uh, and, and so, listen, if you knew you were going to be in a head-on collision, I bet you put that seatbelt on. And a couch cushion between you and the steering wheel. Churches are not letting people know. Pastors, and this is why the world's in the state it's in. Because preachers are ragging. Bad, raggedy preachers, bad living, unholy, not concerned about God, but concerned about people and popularity. Bad pastors have taught bad theology, and it's created bad living folks sitting in pews and chairs all around the country. No one's running around telling people the building's on fire anymore. That ain't a comfortable message. Nobody's running around telling people, you better strap a parachute on you before you sit down in your first-class chair and worry about what kind of food you're ordering because this plane is going down. See, everybody's concerned about the wrong things in church today. It's about comfort. It's about please and ease. It's about make me feel good, preacher. But that's not what Christianity is about at all. I'm going to tell you again, Christianity and the time we spend together in a corporate setting is about God. And when, when there's time for instruction to be given, I would be wasting your time. I would be violating the call of God on my life 
to stand up here and spend every minute of my preaching time telling you how wonderful you are and how, how your breakthrough is coming. Maybe it is, maybe it ain't. I see these people, and I don't do it anymore. I used to. I don't do it anymore. I, I used to blow them up. You, get on my, you come across my timeline saying something foolishness about your struggle ends today. This is your new step of victory. I declare it. You ain't got power to make that happen. You're so desperate for friends on the Internet, you're just trying to speak lies to them, hoping they'll feel good about what you wrote. It doesn't work like that. But because there's so much of that out there, because there's so much of that bad information out there, people aren't content to say, man, I just want to come. I want the, I want the medicine. If there's a spoonful of sugar to help it go down, that's okay. But either way, give me the medicine. Listen, old people don't care. They don't care what them children think. What was that they used to give people to tell you? Uh, what? Castor. They didn't care if you like that castor all or not. Grandma was shoving it right down in your... You better drink the sugar. That red stuff they used to put on cuts. Mercurochrome. They didn't care it was going to stain your skin and burn like acid. Well, you better hold that arm out there. I'm about to pour this medicine on you. Mr. Ryan, catch infection in my house. I ain't got time to be taking you to no hospital. Get over here. Hey, real grandmothers, they just did now, you know, people scared. Peroxide don't hurt. People scared to pour peroxide. Peroxide don't burn. That's in your mind. That mercurochrome, that's a different story. Hey, listen, grandmamas who were serious about it, you cut yourself on the barbed wire fence out in the field and rolled in the dirt. You come in with sweat and mud caked up in that cut. They, they're not only pouring it all over you, they're scrubbing you, spreading you open, pouring more of it inside. We're going to get that out. Mm -mm. No, children will hide a cut. Kids learn to hide a cut. Well, I can't tell. Mm -mm. I ain't telling you what I heard. I'm telling you what I know. I have a scar on my leg. I can feel through my jeans that is this big, keloided, rose. It used to be rose up purple. I got a cut, uh, a bad cut. I looked down and I saw white. It cut me all the way to the bone. I was gushing blood, but I was on my way to a camping trip when that happened. Some fool with a knife decided they were going to play crazy and accidentally cut me viciously. I'm thinking, if I tell anybody about that, they ain't going to let me go on this trip. <laughs> I had shorts on when that happened. I had on my Boy Scout pack. I had a first aid kit in there. I took all the gauze and all the tape I could find, and I taped that thing up, and, and I put jeans on, and I was riding the bus, dripping blood down my leg to get there. It wasn't until the next day when everybody got up to go swimming and put on pants, I got up and was still bleeding. And they're like, what are you doing? Listen, I didn't want to tell anybody about it because I didn't want them to tell me I was too hurt to go on a trip. And I sure didn't want to pour in no, nothing in it that stings. 
But I was young and I was stupid and I didn't realize that needed stitches and it healed poorly and it could have got infected and caused me to have my leg cut off. These churches filling up with people, telling them easy, smooth things, making them feel important, making them feel like life's all about them. It, it, I'm telling you, the world's in for trouble. That, that bad theology has spilled over into parenting. Now we're giving all these participation awards out, coddling little Johnny, telling little Johnny how smart he is. Little Johnny may never made a B in his life. And it ain't because he made all A's. Little Johnny been making D's and F's since preschool. Little Johnny ain't smart. Teach little Johnny a trade. Telling little Johnny he's going to college. No, he can't. <laughs> All these little kids, I, I told my kids, I said, man, I, I, I know being, being correct and disciplined at a high level ain't always easy, but I can promise you my kids will not be. And if you went, you probably heard it. I know I heard it when I went. Uh, it won't be my kids laying in bed in basic training Crying themselves, he yelled at me. I just want to go. I need my mama. I just want to go. How? Oh. Ill prepared for life. Life yells at you. Life ain't always nice. Your boss ain't giving you a participation trophy for showing up. All this craziness has spilled over into every area of life, and the pulpits aren't doing people any justice. We're going to do some justice to the Bible this morning. I just wanted to let you know God's got something to say. There was a time in the church in America where we were in desperate need for that grace message. Oh, it's not about rules and regulations. It's not about do's and don'ts. Oh, don't, don't talk about things we must do. That, that, that just sounds, that, 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 God's already done it all. Yeah, God has already done it all. But if you keep reading, you'll find out there's some expectancy on us as well. There was a time, listen, most of you weren't in church during the time where, where legalism was so radical. I, I knew pastors that would not go to steak and ale because it said ale on the, on the sign. I don't hang out with drunks. I had a pastor tell me that. I'm like, why don't we go to steak and ale? Because I don't hang out with drunks. Is that what you do on your off time? I'm like, well, I don't particularly hang out with drunks, but they make a pretty good, they got a good salad bar. <laughs> steak and ale at Argyle, or near Argyle. Steak and ale at 295 in Blanding was the first salad bar in North Florida that put raisins and bread and butter pickles on their all-you-can-eat salad bar. And I would try, and that dude told me, mm, I don't do that. When, I said, well, how about Bennigan's? Bennigan's, y'all ain't old enough to remember. Bennigan's used to be the spot. Bennigan's was the first place in North Florida that served potato skins, and that was the hook. If you, if you grew up on the west side of Jacksonville, first place you ever ate potato skins was Bennigan's. And I said, well, how about Bennigan's? It's right next door. The whole, and the dude told me, that whole place is a bar. You walk in, it's just all bar. I'm like, I got tables all around. There ain't nothing. Mm, I don't go there. I ain't no sinner. Okay. 
People, people wouldn't go to certain movies. People wouldn't watch, listen to certain, watch certain TV shows. People wouldn't eat in certain establishments. People wouldn't go to a place called a, 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 a bar and grill. Um, listen, so, some of that, there, there's value in that. Listen, grandmom and them wasn't, wasn't polluting their lives with a bunch of foolishness. And we came along and said, oh, it don't take all that. You, 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 you can go into steak and ale without being a drunk. Yes, you can. And so we had to get this message out that was grace. It's more about God's grace than it is about your ability to keep rules and regulations. And that's true. And, and that's really true. And we need to understand that. And it's more about what God has done than what we can do. And it's more about a relationship than it is about rules and regulations. And all that is true. That message, I can see almost no need for that message in churches today anymore. Because I don't see people trying to keep the do's and the don'ts. I don't see people trying to keep the rules and the regulations. I don't see people trying to live so holy that somebody could honestly say, hey, don't, realize it's not just about how holy you can be. It's, it's more about how good God is. There ain't a whole lot of need for that teaching in today's world of, listen, I can see a need for the hymn writer to write a song and, and for preachers to preach messages to say, just as I am, I come. That's to salvation. Now we water just as I am. I come so much now. We got homosexual preachers. We, we, we got fornicating worship leaders. We got every level of sin and crime. We, just this past week, another pastor in Jacksonville got arrested for child molesting. I wonder if he needs the grace message. I wonder if he needs to know. Well, it's not about the do's and the don'ts. It's not about the rules and the regulations. It's, it's, we, after all, we're human beings not human doings just just as you are you just god still listen there the, god don't accept everything there's a standard that has to be raised up and there are some things we must do let's see what the word says in in colossians 3:12 our opening text god says the word says since god chose you to be the holy people he loves comma when you're reading, you always got to pay attention to the punctuation. Pause on these phrases and think about them. That right there is enough to make you feel great about the world and about you and have proper theology because, listen, God chose you to be the holy people he loves. That ought to be enough to light. Listen, if that don't light your fire, your wood's wet. If that don't ring your bell, your ringer is broke. If you can't get excited over the fact that God chose... Listen, you didn't have to audition and pass no test to become a Christian. God chose you to be the child he would love. That right there ought to... I shouldn't have to pat your back and hug your neck and beg you to come back to church next Sunday. The fact that God chose you to be somebody he loves ought to cause some certain things in your life. And now we get into some things we must do. Look what the word says. You must. Everybody waiting on God to come through. Everybody waiting on God to, to bring their ship in. Everybody's waiting on God to fix all of their issues. Listen, there's some things God waiting on us to do. There's some things that we must do because God chose us. Because God chose us to be holy. Because God loves us. We must clothe ourselves with tender-hearted mercy. Now, it's a lie with some truth in it that church people are the meanest people in the world. But that's a lie that's being told. Um, there, there, there's, I saw a meme 
uh, back when everybody was concentrating. They ain't concentrating on it now. They found new stuff to concentrate on now. They ain't concentrating on cops shooting people uh, as much as they were. Uh, let, let a cop shoot, shoot a, a guy with 400 previous arrests uh, that had a gun on him that wasn't pointing at the cop. And they'll be back to talking about how unjust that is. Um, but they, they, they weren't focusing on that as much. But when all that was going on, when the nation was all up in arms over that, I saw a meme. It had a split screen on it. On one, it had three cops dressed in blue walk, walking toward the camera. Right next to it on split screen, it had three gangbangers sagging, grilled out, tatted up everywhere, bandana color flashing gangbangers. I ain't just talking about Trayvon in a hoodie. I ain't talking about just had some Skittles and was walking down the street. I'm talking about bandana flashing gangbangers. And underneath of it, the, the person wrote, I honestly don't know which one of these groups to be scared of the most. And I thought, if you really believe that, you, 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 you're just too ignorant to get out of the way of the oncoming bus. But people say all kinds of crazy stuff. People say crazy stuff that they don't mean just to mix a little bit of truth. I get the point. I get the point. I understand what the point being made was. Both of those can do some vile things and cause death on you. But I've heard people say, uh, meanest people in the world are in church. There's some truth in that, but it ain't the whole truth. There are some mean people in church. There are some judgmental people in church. There are some critical people in church. There are some whack, evil people in church. The reality is when you let in just anybody come, you're going to end up with just anybody. When, when you accept people for where they are, you're going to end up with some craziness going on around you. But I want to tell you something. Some of the best people you'll ever meet are also in church. This whack new age, uh, all, these, all these viral videos going out about how God hates religion. God don't hate religion. God instituted religion, told us what we need to do to be right with him. Uh, the, the, the stuff has just gone crazy in this generation. But the word of God never changes. I've had people tell me, Pastor Scott, you're just a dinosaur. Times have changed. People have changed. Culture has changed. Custom has changed. I got a great answer for all that logic that you're spewing at me right now. God hasn't changed. And God's word hasn't changed. And it never will. Don't bring your cultural relativism to me because I'll bring you biblical truth every time. Don't, don't bring your cultural acceptance and tolerance and inclusion and everything's okay. I'll tell you the truth. The building's on fire. And hell is real. But Christians, as Christians, because of what God, since God has done great things for us, there's some things we must do. And the first thing we see is that we must clothe ourselves with tender-hearted mercy. Listen to me. If this is you, then, then deal with it. If it's not you, wait till we get to you. <laughs> Quit being so mean. Quit being so judgmental. Quit being so hateful. Quit faking holiness that you don't live so you can bash other people that live less than you. Just because you live better than your spouse, just because you live cleaner than your friends, just because you ain't as bad as, as, as cue ball and ice pick, don't make you holy. We all need to clothe ourselves. This is something that you intentionally put on. 
you, when you clothe yourself, you take something and you put it on you. See, I, I, let, let, let me just ju- jump right to something important that everybody needs to know. Real Christians aren't the ones running around telling other people what they need to do. Real Christians don't see the word and think, you need to do that. Real Christians see the word and think, I need to do that. This is where Christian growth comes in when you start uh, putting the, the, the responsibility on yourself to obey the word. And we all need to clothe ourselves with tender-hearted mercy. A mercy that says, if you can get mercy, so can everybody else. Not only tender-hearted mercy, but kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. There's a lot of things that we got to do. I ain't going to keep you here all day and preach every one of these things. I've told you so many times, when I preach, I can't exhaust any subject. We don't have the time. But I hope to pique your interest so you will study these things for yourself and see how you can apply these truths to your life. There is a mandate from God that we just don't sit back and wait on Him to fix everything for us. There's some things that we must do. And the Word says you must clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I don't know which one of those things you struggle with. Uh, if, if you say, oh, I got all those wrapped down perfectly. Well, you sure enough missed the one in the middle. Five things there. Two of them on the front, two of them on the back. That one in the middle is humility. If you don't think that you need to put on more tenderhearted mercy, more kindness, more gentleness, and more... Oh, Pastor Scott, I love the Lord. I'm saved, sanctified, fire baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm the most gentle, gentle, gentle person that ever gentled on gentleness. I am the 10,000 points of life. I'm the most patient person. In, I, I'm the most tenderhearted, merciful, kindest person you're ever going to. Well, work on some humility. Please, baby, please. Because we must do these things. Verse 13 tells us something else we must do. We must make allowance for each other's faults. Well, that ain't popular. That ain't popular. Gomer Powell taught a generation of baby boomers. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. And what that what that generated in people like, I'm gonna give you one chance. <laughs> Do me one one time. Uh, hey, people twist scripture. The Bible says turn the other cheek. You hit me once, I'm only turning one time because I only got one other cheek. And after that, it's on like Donkey Kong. It's on like popcorn. We're about to be brawling. Bad theology. Excusing immorality. Make allowance for each other's faults. Plural. Now, it goes on to say and. And means there's what? There's more, and forgive anyone who offends you. If you study this, you'll find all theologians, all orthodox, common sense theologians agree that this is talking about things that have been done to you in the past and things that are happening to you in the present. Forgive, it, for, 
make allowance for each other's faults. That, that, that stuff that's already happened. Uh, are you holding on? Christian? I ain't never going to forget what he did to me. I, I, I love him, but I don't like him. All this is lies and bad theology and non-Christian rhetoric. This is not who God says we must be. You must make allowance. You got to say, hey, you know what? I love him anyhow. Pastor Scott, did you know the deacon so-and-so? I love him anyhow. I make allowance for their faults. Think I'm going to fire somebody, step somebody down because you think that they're less than. I making, I'm following Scripture. I must make allowance for your faults. Do you make allowance for other people's faults? Or are you still stuck in that, do, do me once and, uh, you know, I'll let that slide. Don't try me twice. This is not Christian living. This is new age crazy. And forgive anyone who offends you. John Bevere could not have became a multimillionaire in a generation where people followed Scripture the way previous generations followed Scripture. John Bevere, wonderful preacher, great author, wrote a series of books uh, about, um, what, was that, what was it called? Huh? The Bait of Satan. And he said, the bait of Satan is the spirit of offense. And he talked about people being overtaken with the spirit of offense. That, and, and, and the reason why so many people gravitated to his preaching and his teaching and his books and his tapes is because so many people have been offended and given up on their Christianity. So many people have been offended and quit coming to church. So many people have been offended by what someone else said, did, looked at them wrong, sniffed at them wrong, and they have just, they took the bait of the devil and they got overthrown and their relationship with God suffered from it. Grandmama and them generation wasn't bothered by that. They'll tell you in a minute. I ain't going to let Sister Jolene craziness take my Holy Ghost. She can talk about me forever. I'm going to pray for her. See, but that's not the way this generation goes. See, because we've raised a generation of nine-year-olds carrying guns and, and knives telling people, you better not disrespect me. Don't you dare disrespect me. You don't know me like that. You don't know me like that. I know you're four foot seven and weigh 82 pounds, and I will punch you across this room. Well, you ain't going to disrespect me. I bust a cap in you. Don't make me go to my trunk. Don't make you go to your trunk, nine-year-old. Your toy trunk. What kind of trunk you got? We laugh, but this is a generation of fools that we have raised. Because we so deeply get grieved if somebody does us wrong, we wear that like, oh, no, she didn't. Grandmama never said that a day in her life. Grandmama, grandmama didn't say, oh, no, she didn't. Grandmama said, we need to pray for her. We need, we need to pray she get right with God before she die and go to hell. But we raised a generation of fools 
who feel like the worst thing you can do is to offend them. The worst thing you can do is disrespect them. The worst thing you can do is tell them they're wrong. Oh, they're out of gas at that point. They quit church, quit Jesus, quit God. Oh, I'll never go back there again. The way she talked to me. Oh, I get what you're saying now. You're so incredible, no one can talk to you that way because you're Miss Special Pants. And you're not going to make room for nobody's faults. And you're not going to forgive anybody who offends you. Why are you? Listen, we're too easily offended as a People get offended at everything. I saw some stuff on news. I, I thought this, the world has just really lost it at this point. They just had the largest gathering of Democratic Socialists of America. I, I watched it. I watched parts of it online. They started off with a thousand different things. Uh, they started off by saying, uh, we are going to be respectful of everyone. We are an inclusive, safe space for everyone. And we're going to ask that no matter how much you agree with anything that's been said, please do not clap because we need to be respectful of, of those who are easily triggered by loud noises. So we'll only use jazz hands. I'm like, okay, you just told people they can't clap if they like what you're saying. I, I got trouble with you at this point. And then the, there was a group of people talking. Oh, they also told people, if you have on any type of perfume or cologne, please don't go into the breakout rooms because uh, many of us are triggered by smells, and we just ask that you stay in the large meeting areas so, so that, that, that you're, I'm thinking, okay, you just told people they need to all stink. Then one of the speakers, first speaker was speaking, and a couple people were talking, and it was getting a little disruptive. Um, and I guess they forgot, you know, you're just supposed to tolerate being inclusive and just let anything go. I guess they forgot that. So the person came up and said, guys, could we just all pay attention and respect the speaker while the speaker is speaking? Thank you. One, one of the people stood up and said, oh, excuse me, point of order. I, I, just, I, I would just like to point out that I am offended. You have offended me. You have just misgendered me. You just called a group of people guys. That's not all men in this room. You probably look at me and think I'm a man. I don't identify. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. We done gone off the deep end because somebody said, guys, can we be quiet? These people were not told shut up enough by grandma, mom, and daddy. Easily triggered, easily offended, just waiting, just wearing your butt on your sleeves everywhere you go, just always in your feelings about everything. That is not Christianity. Christianity, people are like, I ain't, I ain't nobody's doormat. You ain't going to abuse me. You ain't going to run over me. You think you're, who is your example? Do you see how they treated Jesus? What if Jesus would have been a 2019 Christian? You think he'd have died for evil people? You, you, you think he'd have had people to spit on him, cussed at him, talk bad about his daddy? That ain't this world. Why? Because we don't feel like we got to do anything, the Bible says, but the Bible says we must forgive anyone who offends you. That's enough work right there that we ought to be in massive altar call right now dealing with that. You're going to have to deal with that at some point in your life. The people you're still bitter against, people you're still not forgiving, you're going to have to deal with that at some point in your life. Scripture says, remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must. Didn't I tell you there's some things we must do? You must forgive others. The Bible said, Jesus said, 
in, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 15, if you don't forgive other people what they've done to you, his father ain't going to forgive you for what you've done. Chew on that. With whatever theology you want to embrace. People, people ask me, uh, am I once saved, always saved? Am I, lo am I lose your salvation? Listen, I don't care what, what theology you come at unforgiveness with. If you don't forgive other people of what they've done to you, you, you ain't got eternal security. Because Jesus said that if your father won't forgive you your sins of the, if you don't forgive other people what they've done to you. I want to tell you something. The whole body of Christ could be revitalized if we would just forgive everybody, whoever did us wrong, and if we just make allowance for everybody's whackness. How is it your business what somebody else's fault is? How is it your business? Well, I just don't believe that they, that, 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 that they should be, uh, I, don't, I just don't know why they're allowed to work in, in, the, in the car parking ministry uh, when they ain't completely perfect and 100% and, and sinless. You got some people like that in your pocket? We'll let them work in the car ministry too, in the parking ministry. Stop being these type of fake Christians and do what the Bible says we must do. Verse 14 says, above all, comma. <laughs> all right, well, we are, we've hit a list, but now we've come to the top. Say top. Clothe yourself. Man, it's the whole thing's been talking about things you got to put on. These aren't things that you innately possess. These aren't things that just happen without effort. These are things that you have to put effort into. Clothe yourselves with love. Ouch. If you study Christian love, you're going to find out that Christian love's on a whole different level. Christian love, man, if you read the love chapter in 1 Corinthians, you'll find out it don't keep track of wrongs. It ain't easily offended. It don't seek its own. And listen, real Christian love, the kind of love God is calling us to have, will, would prevent us from the majority of all these problems that I've addressed today. Because it goes on to say, biblical love binds us all together in perfect harmony. Oh, man, churches separate over politics. Families separate over politics. I know families where some of them are Republicans and some of them are Democrats, and they don't even talk to each other. I see, I, I, I saw a thing, uh, there, there was a thing on uh, Huffington Post. This, this week I read an article, this lady wrote, Why? My in-laws can no longer see my children. And her in-laws had different politics. She said, I tried for my husband and my children's sake to have peace in the family and harmony, but every time the, the, the grandparents would come over, they'd say something or roll their eyes at something, and I'm just not going to have my children infected with their bad politics. And I'm thinking, I get a piece of that. You got to protect your children. But if you can't love your own family members, if you can't respect, if you, if you can't let your children love their grandparents because you have differences of opinion, how religious are you? How ungodly are you? 
The Bible says love will bind us together in all perfect harmony. Listen, there's a lot of people I don't agree with about a lot of things. We'll leave somewhere, and I'll tell my kids, y'all know, you know everything they were saying was whack and crazy, and we don't believe that, right? I had, I had one of my kids ask me one time, well, then why do we even let them come to our church, Pastor or Dad? My kids are the only people in the world that don't call me pastor, uh, except haters. Listen, you'll know when it's time for you to leave abundant life and never come back. Because this happened. Don't this, this pattern happens. Don't, Dina's already laughing. When you've called me Pastor Scott every day of your whole life, and you find yourself on the phone saying, well, Scott said, oh, you dropped a hard T on my name. Uh, you, 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 you stopped calling me what you've always called me. You moved over into haterism. Time for you to go. But my kids, they, 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 don't call, they actually call me dad. They don't call me pastor. My sister and my mom call me pastor. That's weird, too. But <laughs> that's on their choice. I, I told them that was weird to me, and they told me they needed me to be their pastor more than they needed me to be their son or their brother. Okay, so that, that's just where they're at. Um, but one, one of my sons said, well, why, why do we even let them come to our church, Dad? If they, if they believe everything different than us, they don't agree with you. I said, because we got to love everybody. Does this make sense to anybody? Is it what the Scripture said we must do? we we got to close ourselves with love. It's, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to bind us together in harmony. How can a, a, a leftist walk in unity with, with a right-winger? How can a Democrat walk in unity with, 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 with uh, 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 well, a Republican? Um, Love. Love. It's so funny. Um, it's not funny. It's sad. But everybody's all banging up about uh, how offended people are that uh, Donald Trump's putting these, separating these children from their parents at the border and putting them in cages. When they found out that those cages were built in the Obama administration, the same people that were mad about it said, well, you know, we've got to put them somewhere. Well, it was just the devil when the guy you didn't like was doing it. And when Bill Clinton was doing the exact same stuff that Bush had done, everybody was calling Bill Clinton a horrible president, but they thought it was okay when Bush was doing it. So it doesn't matter which side of the aisle you stand on, hate just wants to hate. Hate just wants to point to how wrong this side is. We're right, they're wrong, they're, 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 they're wrong, we're right, and with no love. You know what love says? I'm going to love you anyhow. I don't have to agree with you to love you. I don't have to agree with you about everything to love you. Now, if you want to disagree with me about vital things, the safety of my children, or the only way to get to heaven being Jesus, well, now we got to break company. Now you can't come here no more, and it's time to go. Short of that, we got to be bound together in harmony. Church don't work in harmony. If the Christians in this country work together in harmony... We'd be running stuff instead of running from stuff. We wouldn't be worried about We're having pastors locked up in America right now for saying homosexuality is wrong. They're locked up. Shutting churches down over. It's already happening. It's not going to happen. It's already happening. It's the law in Canada. You can't say that from the pulpit in Canada. Yeah, that, that, that shuts your church down and it puts your preacher in jail. 
say anything that they disagree with, then, then that, that's going to go. Listen, if Christians would work together, you know, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't have to worry about, well, who's right, who's wrong, left, right, Democrat, Republican, uh, in, conservative, uh, uh, liberal. We wouldn't have to worry about all that. If we'd work together in love, we could not only get the Ten Commandments put back on the courthouse steps. We could not only get prayer back in school. We could get Jesus exalted in, in, in all of the community. And we could let people know that we're big enough in Christ to look past our differences. Oh, no, no, because their ideology offends me. Oh, their political persuasion offends me. There's some things we must do. And I'm going to give you this last one. We're going to go. Verse 15, the last verse says, We must let the peace that comes from Christ rule in our hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your heart. I got to go, so I'm not going to teach this whole verse. But one thing I'll point out to you, you can study it on your own. Uh, check it to make sure it's real because it is. That word rule is a gaming term. It, it, it was an official who sat over the, uh, the sporting events. It's our modern-day umpire, okay? So this is what I want you to get as we get ready to leave out of here. You need to let the peace that comes from Christ be the umpire in your life. You need to let, see, because here's the thing. I'm a big Atlanta Braves fan. I, I watched uh, Ender and Carte get really mad. Uh, outfielder plays for Atlanta Braves. He got really mad over a called strike. He didn't think it was a called strike. He was mad. He was flustered and frustrated. He was eye-rolling and, and huffing and puffing at the umpire. Guess, guess whose decision matters on whether or not it's a strike, the batter or the umpire? That's the only person whose decision matters. You don't get to decide, well, just because that's a strike to you, it's not a strike to me. See, this is how America's living now. America's living with relative morality. America is living with justifying everything that they want to feel good about when they don't realize there is an umpire standing next to you who has already determined if it's right or wrong. And your assessment of it means nothing. Your assessment of right and wrong means nothing. My assessment of right and wrong means nothing. God is the umpire. He says whether it's a ball or whether it's a strike. And there is no court of appeals to this. Let the peace that comes from Christ govern, rule, be the umpire, your standard in your hearts. Well, I got to do me. Well, you don't yield to the umpire then. But you know what? If the umpire, if the count is full, if it's three balls and two strikes, and the umpire, and you don't swing, and the umpire says strike three, you're out, and you say, oh, no, I'm not, and you lay the bat down, and you walk to first base, you're not going to get to be on first base because you're not the one in charge. And this is the problem people in this generation have. They think they're in charge. We're not in charge. If you think you're in charge, you're deceiving yourself. If you think that the umpire can't call you out, you are deceiving yourself. And you are not letting Christ rule in your heart. The Bible says as members of one body, you're called to live in peace. And the last four words of this says, and always be thankful. Last thing we must do, we must always be thankful. Now, 
I did a lot of study on this passage. And literary experts know which phrases connect to which thing. Most of us can't tell, tell somebody what the object of the verb is or the object of the sentence or the structure of the grammar because most of us aren't literary geniuses like that and we're, that's not our expertise. But the people whose expertise it is to put these structure clauses together all agree across the board in every one that I read that what we're to be thankful for is not anything in verse 15, in verse 13, uh, in verse 14, in verse 13, but it goes all the way back to the beginning of this section. And if your Bible is a study Bible, it sections off little verse clusters together. They're called pericopes. They're standalone thoughts. They're what we would make as paragraphs in modern writing. It goes back to the beginning of this paragraph. The thing to be thankful for is what started the paragraph that says God chose you to be the holy people that he loves. You can't be thankful for giving other people's faults. You can't be thankful that you got all these things you must do. You can't be thankful that you got to forgive somebody who's offended you. You can't be thankful that life ain't turned out the way you want it to. You, these aren't things that you can be naturally thankful for. But if you focus on the fact he loved me when he didn't have to. He called me. He picked me. He elected me. He chose me to be the person that he loves. Before the world began, the Bible says, we were called out in him. Well, you ought to be thankful for that. You ought to be thankful that he knows your name. You ought to be thankful that even though he knows every sin you've ever done, he still loves you. There's some things we got to do. With all this stuff that we must do, the good news is, that even in our sin, Jesus died for us. Not having this all together, not having all this right. God loves us in spite of us. And we all can be forgiven. The greatest thing you'll ever feel, experience, and I'm done with this, the greatest thing you'll ever experience in your life is that moment of reality where you feel clean in the presence of a holy God. Where you understand forgiveness and you know that you're forgiven, I guarantee you if you ever experience that, it will overwhelm you to tears. It will overwhelm you to such an internal joy that you can't find anywhere else. This is why so many people say they wish they could go back to when, how they felt when they first got saved. That feeling that you felt was forgiveness. Cleansed by the blood of the Lord. That awareness that He accepts me is like nothing else. But until you get truly saved, this cannot be your reality. Church will not get you there. Learning will not get you there. Changing behavior will not get you there. The only thing that will get you this overwhelming understanding of experiencing truly being clean in the presence of an all-righteous God is that moment in time where you choose to repent of your sins and to accept Jesus Christ and all that He is for you. Have you done that?
Stop trying to be a better person. Stop trying to do better things. Stop trying to change your behavior. Stop trying to please religious people. Stop trying to do more things right and less things wrong and develop a real relationship with God where your sins are washed away. Too many people struggling with sin, calling themselves saved. The reason so many people struggle with sin because they're not saved to begin with. Get saved and let God deliver you from that stuff. Get saved and let God take that from you. If you are saved, give it to God and walk away from it. Go home and study this. Read this. Figure out the things that you must do. Everyone in this room that's in their right mind wants to be blessed, wants to be loved by God, wants to be used by God, wants to be functional, wants to be uh, in heaven forever. There's some things that we got to do. So get to doing it. God wants to bless you. God wants to give you His Spirit. God wants to overflow you with goodness and peace and mercy. The peace that comes from Christ is like nothing else. But people are grasping straws in the wind and catching nothing because they've been sold a lie from a preacher that didn't understand the Bible. They've been sold a lie from somebody who taught them wrong theology and they don't understand that it can't even begin for you without a true supernatural life-changing born-again experience with the Spirit of the living God. His Spirit has got to live inside you for you to even be able to do these things that you must do. The great news is God said if you'll call on Him, He'll save you. He said, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's anybody. You haven't done too much wrong. You're not outside of God's grace or love. You're not beyond His reach for mercy. If you will ask God to save you and really mean it. Some of you have tried it before and it didn't work. God said you got to search for Him with your whole heart. You can't be holding back. You can't have reservation. You can't have manipulation in mind. You've got to be desperate for Him and Him alone. And when you get desperate for Him and Him alone, He will save you. He will fill you with His Spirit and you will be able to do these things that He's commanded us to do. And life will take on a different meaning. My hope for you today is if you're not truly born again, that you'll ask God to save you today. And that you'll experience real cleansing from the blood of Jesus Christ. My hope for you if you are saved is that you will decide I got to start doing some things the way God says I need to do some things. I got to forgive everybody. I got to quit being offended. I got to quit walking around here judging other people. I got to put on tender mercy and kindness and humility, gentleness and patience. I've got to be who God called me to be. Time is short, people. The handwriting's on the wall. The die is cast and it's heading in the wrong direction. And I hope you will get on the Lord's side before it's too late. Pray with me. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word. God, I thank you for truth and I pray that you will help us love truth more than we love comfort. I pray, God, that you would speak to the heart of your children and give us a sense of urgency to put you first. Give us a sense of urgency to do what you say we must do. 
with a little bit of time that we have left. I pray for every person in this room, God, that's not truly saved. Maybe they've deceived themselves. Maybe they know they're not saved. God, I pray that you would give an awareness right now to every person in this room, man, woman, boy, and girl, that needs to truly be born again. I pray that you'd let them know that, and I pray you'd draw them by your Spirit to the Father. God, help us to love you more than we love ourselves. Help us, help us to choose your way over every false way is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.